Hello and welcome to The Growth Business, the business podcast sponsored by InCloud Solutions, home to mid-market ERP software business by design. I'm your host, Lucy Thorpe, and today my guest is someone a bit different. On first impressions, you might think he's a fast-talking, get-rich-quick kind of guy, the kind of person who wants to tell you how he made a million so you can too. But this guy, while certainly a fast talker and hugely successful, is something else as well. He's an introvert and indeed a champion of introverts everywhere. We could do with the champion, couldn't we? Let me introduce you to Matthew Pollard. Thrown into sales from an early age, he learned to thrive. Now he's written two books, The Introvert's Edge, How the Quiet and Shy Can Outsell Anyone, and The Introvert's Edge to Networking. And this is where most of our conversation lands today. I began by asking Matthew how he got started. My backstory is while I struggled with reading disabilities and learned to sell by basically being thrown on a road called Sydney Road in Melbourne, Australia, no sales training and just five days product training and told to go and sell, I taught myself how to sell watching YouTube videos. And about a year later, I got overconfident, one might say, and decided to start my own business. And less than a year later, it was turned over more than a million dollars. A couple of years later, it was one of the, it was the largest brokership in the country for B2B cell phones. Yes. So at this point, I think we need to say you're a very confident guy. So where does the introvert bit come in? See, this is the thing that I really struggle with, and I struggle with it myself growing up. It's when you use the word introversion, it has this sour taste to it. It's like, I'm supposed to be living under a bridge, never talking to anyone or constantly being in a dark room. I mean, never mind people like Zig Ziglar, the most well-known sales trainer probably on the planet was an introvert. Like, why is it that we think we can't do small talk, we can't sell, we can't network when the best at all three of those things happen to be introverts? Well, the answer is that we believe in this concept of gift of gab. And we believe that if we don't have it, we can't succeed. And everyone knows the extroverts have it and not the introverts. Well, that's not true. The thing that I've found that defines the difference between a successful introvert and one that believes that they can't do it is that they haven't let gift of gab define them. They've gravitated to systems and processes to master these skill sets. And the only thing, the way I see introversion, it's just about where you draw your energy from. Now, while I hope that this session is engaging, I hope that people find it enjoyable. I hope that people feel like they're getting energy from me. At the end of this interview, I guarantee I got 15 minutes at the end of this that I'm going to be ecstatic to switch this off, watch Netflix and recharge because without that time for me, I'm going to get it a little bit more hard to deal with as the day progresses because my energy levels are going down. It's like a kid at Disneyland. I feel like I hit a wall when I'm done and all of a sudden I need my downtime and that is it. Introversion is just where you draw your energy from. If you get charged by these activities, you're an extrovert. If you don't, then you're an introvert. But in truth, there's nothing that I'm sharing now. While I hope to everybody comes across as sounding organic and natural, there's nothing that I'm sharing with you that I haven't shared many times before. And that when I shared it the first time, I practiced and practiced to make sure that it came across as not a different version of myself, but the best version of myself, well-practiced and well-refined. And what I will tell everyone that's listening this is not new stuff. Brian Tracy talks about the top 10% of all sales uh, performers have a planned presentation. The bottom 80% just say whatever comes out of their mouth. Well, who's better at saying whatever comes out of their mouth? Extroverts. But the people at the top of the echelon, 
They happen to be planned presentation people. The best people all use a system. So your system, you say, also works when you're out networking. How does it translate to the networking situation? My first book, which is called The Introvert's Edge, which is the one that you, you found, was focuses on a seven-step process that really helps people understand that firstly, sales is a natural step-by-step process and done well, you don't need the bulldog techniques and the hard closing. Now, story is by far the heart of that sale. However, it's supposed to be a follow the bouncing ball process. Now, one of the things I I tell people, and by the way, for the people listening, you don't need to buy my book to get those seven steps. My publisher hates me when I say this, but literally if you download the first chapter, which you can get at theintrovertsedge.com, you'll find the seven step headlines. Now, my second book focuses on a different strategy because networking is not about sales. Networking is about fostering relationships. Now, the one thing that I always tell people when it comes to networking is, you know, a lot of people will go into the room and they're like, do you want to buy from me? What about you? What about you? That is the worst thing you can do as a networker. Now, a lot of people hate that. So they go, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do this thing I call aimless networking, which is where I basically have these shallow conversations with a lot of people. It's not exactly exciting, but then I walk out with a bunch of business cards of those people that never call me and I never call them. Why? I got enough friends. I don't utilize those relationships at all. So what I talk about is having the right system when you go networking. Firstly, you need to know who your marketplace is. So a lot of people go to the wrong networking events. A lot of people go to any networking event. And in truth, that means you can't be the only logical choice to the people that you speak to. So the first thing you want to do is planning and preparation. You want to know what your niche market is. You also want to know what your message is. And I don't mean that elevator pitch that sounds so contrived that it almost makes you sick as it comes out of your mouth. But I'm talking about, firstly, networking should always be done where you ask what they do. You ask questions, you give them value to the point where they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Matthew. I haven't asked you what you do. And you say, oh, thanks for asking. Oh, I'm the rapid growth guy. Now, once you have that, you then share a story of someone that you worked with that you got to an amazing result, not in the way of pitching them, but usually in a way of elucidating the point of what you do, because they're still trying to understand what the rapid growth guy is or what the authority architect is or the narrative strategist is. So by having that framework, it'll work. But again, all of this comes from planning and preparation, knowing the steps, but also researching the people that are in the room. It blows me away right now that literally people will go to digital networking events or live virtual networking events in the past and hopefully again in the future and literally go where they they schedule it because they know they haven't got enough in their pipeline or they don't have enough customers. Well, they never think about it until they go, right? They like begrudgingly put it in their schedule and then they try not to think about it until they've got to go into the car and go. And then they try and talk themselves out of going and then they get there and they wonder why it doesn't work for me i say so where does my niche hang out i book that event i then look at meetup and say oh all the people that have registered have linkedin profiles so i go profile shopping and i look at all the profiles and i'm like well which ones of these people are my ideal niche and then i start connecting with them and saying oh i'm coming to that event would you recommend it now there's a familiar face and they recognize me and if they're introverted they're going to want to talk to me and get away from everyone else just as much Now, the last point I will make is that the other thing that most people make a mistake with is thinking that everybody in the room is a potential prospect. And that is absolutely crazy because that gets you stuck in this hamster wheel of hustling to find interested prospects, trying to set yourself apart and making the sale. And it just means when you finally get that client, you've got to run into the room and get another one. Networking is actually more about these other two categories of people. 
The first group is what I call momentum partners. These are the people that believe in your work and you believe in theirs and you share introductions. Not because you have a formal agreement, but because you genuinely want to help the other person. And you go networking looking for these people because next is the last group. And these are the most important, the group of champions. So these people give you credibility. So when you go networking, while I'll settle for a prospect, my real focus is finding momentum partners and champions to, to speak to, foster relationships with. That's going to get me out of the hamster wheel. So what are you saying to the credibility guy then? Are you giving him the same story, the same narrative that you gave to the other two groups? Is it one story fits all or, or, or is it one story per category? So what you've got to realize is most people don't do their homework, which is why they struggle to, to, to speak to any one of those categories. So one of the things I talk about in my new book, The Introvert's Edge to Networking, is first forgetting about what you sell and what you do and start thinking about what you're passionate about and what mission you're on. Now, what's interesting is I'll give you an example. I worked with a, an insurance agent who, I mean, firstly, I mean, if, if you run into someone at networking and they say they sell us insurance, what he found, and I'm sure everybody has found this, your eyes literally want to explode because you're like, how do I get away from this person? <laughs> You've been there. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly right. So everyone's trying to get away from this person. And he said, Matt, I'm really passionate about working with people on their insurance, like, because I feel like it helps them. But whenever I say it, that's the response that I get. So in my case, for instance, I say, you know, um, I'm, I'm the rapid growth guy. And somebody said, what exactly is that? And I said, well, you know, a lot of people, they start their own business because they're passionate. Nothing inspires me more than that. But I just hate to see that they get stuck in this constant battle of hustling to find interested prospects, setting themselves apart, making the sale, and then eventually really lose respect for what they do because no one else respects them. They're happy to listen to that. Now, secondly, segueing into a story allows you to leverage the science behind story, which short circuits the logical mind. You speak directly to the emotional mind, which means people are happy to listen to a long story as long as it's an emotionally driven story is when you share a story, it activates the reticular activating system of the brain, which means our brains synchronize. It creates artificial rapport that we can then leverage into real rapport. So a well-structured networking conversation is firstly, we know who we're going to speak to. We introduce with a unified message. We go into passion and mission, and then we segue into a story. Do not sell in the room. That's not what networking is. You'll end up getting interrupted and it'll go horribly wrong. The conversation's the same, but the outcomes are always different. And one of the things I suggest in my book is just like online, we have different call to actions. In networking, we have slightly different call to actions at the end of the conversation, but the 80% that goes into the conversation beforehand should be exactly the same. Do you ever get um, like really nervous? Because if you're an introvert, I mean, maybe you get the confidence from the system, but I'm thinking about a lot of people who I know who are introverted and they get really kind of a bit panicked about these situations. Did that ever happen to you ever? It still happens to me. I just put up a video that talks about the fact that I still get nervous going to networking events. Here are the, the bottom line when it comes to networking. Firstly, it's like a muscle. So for me, the first live networking event I go to when the doors open and I'm allowed to go out because of COVID, I am going to be crazy nervous. And then the next one, not so much. And then the one after that, not so much. Because what I find is if, if I go to networking events frequently, I don't get that worried about it because I feel like I've got my rhythm and it, it, it's like a muscle. But if you don't go to networking often, then the first time, every time you're like, are people going to like me? Am I gonna? It's like first day of school. It's horrible. So for me, I guarantee you that if you keep going to events, it gets easier and easier. It is a muscle that you have to work. But yes, the system's important. 
Because here's the thing, extroverts, when they get a rejection or somebody says something and it doesn't go well, they're like, water off a duck's back, move to the next conversation. For an introvert, I guarantee, like me, I'm going to feel that and I'm going to assess it tomorrow, the next day, the next day. I'm going to remember it a week from now. It's going to pop into my head. Why did I say that dumb thing? So for us, we need to have an external system because it stops it being a reflection on us in sales and in networking. It's this external system. And because if we then get a negative response, we then say, okay, what is it about this system that didn't work? So the goal is to get that workable system so it's no longer a, a reflection on us and our personality. When you have a system, instead of criticizing yourself, you then think and reflect about how to improve the system. And you become so focused on that, it's actually a huge performance improver because we look at it and we're constantly focusing on making it better. That's powerful. Now, the way I always look at systems though, is most people when they're like, oh, I'm gonna learn how to network or I'm gonna learn how to sell, people look at it like mixed martial arts. I'm just gonna pick up every book on sales I can find, read them all, and then I'll apply different tactics that seem to make sense to me. Or they do the same with networking. And this is crazy because the problem is that some of the steps work really well, but they don't go with other steps. You need to follow somebody's system. And as I said, I don't really mind if it's my system or somebody else's. What I'm suggesting to everyone that's listening is that you need to follow one system and then follow the process of Henry Ford, right? Henry Ford was the, the person that bought out, he wasn't the person that bought out the manufacturing line, but he was the first person to apply it to mass production vehicles. And when he first did that, he bought out the Model T and he said, his famous quip was, you can have any color you want as long as it's black. Why? The answer was that he didn't want to worry about any bells and whistles until he got the production line as perfect as he possibly could. And then he started to add on all the add-ons that we see in all the vehicles that we have today. In sales and in networking, forget about the bells and whistles, right? If, you, if something goes wrong and it was a bell and whistle, write it down, worry about it later. Get the production line right. Once you have the production line right, then you can add on the bells and whistles. When we moved into this COVID world, people are like, oh, now I've got to network online. How do I do that? I'm just going to spam people on LinkedIn, which is that transactional networking, again, with a bland message. If you get everything crystal clear in the networking room, what happens is it then becomes laser sharp no matter where you share it. But if you can't, if you can't be the clearest, you have to be the loudest. And if you can't articulate the value of what you offer and get your message across when somebody's politely listening in the networking room for three minutes, what chance do you have when you get fractions of a second online? One of the things I love to see is people go from sharing in a networking room to actually never having to go back to one unless they want to, because they can use that same system to network virtually. Yeah. Using LinkedIn well has been an absolute boon in, in lockdown, hasn't it? And now we're all having to think about how we might have a hybrid model of kind of coming out of hiding, as it were. Is that something you're looking forward to? You said you might be a little bit nervous on your first networking, but after that, hey, you'll be back on the bike. You know, it's interesting. Like a lot of people will ask me, you know, how often I go networking now? And the answer was even before COVID, very rarely. You, I'm, I'm giving away the secrets of my book here, by the way. But the whole concept of my book is not about going to the networking room every week. It's actually about getting the message right, getting the mission and passion statements right, getting the stories right, so you can leverage that online. My LinkedIn profile is very clear and concise. My books are very clear and concise. My social media is very clear and concise. So what's interesting is in this crowded marketplace, which is just getting more and more cluttered, people chase me out. The goal of networking is not to be stuck in the networking ecosystem for life. 
It's to master the room so you never have to go back to one. So one of the things that I talk about is get the message right, get the mission and passion statement right, get the stories right, get all of that practice, get the resources that you offer the prospects to automate them into your online system correct. Once you've done that, you should be able to mobilize your momentum partners to introduce you to all the people that you want. And they're going to introduce you to a bunch of people you didn't even know. So do I need to go back networking? Not really. I love doing virtual presentations because I finish one. 30 minutes later, I'm having lunch with my wife. Do I want to get back on the road and go and speak at events and spend three days on the road? Virtual networking is amazing. You and I have never physically met. We are on two separate continents. Would I have met you in a networking room? Probably not. But my message reached out to you across, across continents. Now, will I still go to networking events? Yes. However, because of the infrequent nature in which that I do go, I still do all my research before I still have my system. So yes, I'm a lot more confident because of that. That's not to mean I don't get jitters beforehand. I still have the whole, will anyone like me thing that happens? But then I get into the room, I work my system and literally two conversations in at the most, I feel like I'm in charge of the room and I feel like everyone else is happy that I'm there. And then try and get me out. I'm usually the last to leave. Now, I'm not going off to the pub with them afterwards because every extrovert wants to say, let's keep this party going. I'm like, no, I'm going home. But I work the room until the room's done. The reason why most people think networking doesn't work is they're doing it wrong. The truth is it does work. And if you do it the right way, you don't have to go anywhere near as often as you think. And when you do go, the relationships, you move online, you then leverage their relationships online. Next thing you know, you're one of the most connected people on the planet. I mean, I'm Global Guru is listening as the number three sales professional in the world. I don't know that many people. It's because of the momentum partners and the champions that get my message out. That means I don't have to go and be the loudest because I'm the clearest so people remember me. That is such a fantastic lesson. And it's so clear that I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to give you some chance to re-energize for your next podcast <laughs> recording. And I'm going to go and re-energize too, because, you know, I identify as an introvert. It seems like something that we're, we're all going to be saying, like we're in the AA meetings. <laughs> well, that's actually my number one hope for people is that Many people that listen to you beforehand, maybe one segment, they may not have realized that you were an introvert because you're still engaging. And usually I find introverts are the best interviewers because they planned, they thought about the questions, they've actually researched. The amount of extroverts that have interviewed me on shows and go, I haven't checked out your profile, but I was told you were really good at what you do, right? But the thing is that introverts come across as more extroverted than a lot, of, uh, a lot of extroverts because they're planned, they're prepared, they're practiced. If I can get one thing out of this interview, it's that the introverts that are hearing this, that are successful at sales and networking, be honest about the fact that you're introverted and share that with other introverts that think they can't. And if you are an introvert that thinks you can't, know that, that is your decision. And as soon as you stop defining yourself as an introvert like a disability, all of a sudden you realize you have an incredible edge. Keith, thank you so much for joining me. It's my absolute pleasure, Lucy. Thank you for having me on. That's it this week for The Growth Business. See you next time.